Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm John, a.k.a. Dr. Brian Oblivion. <laughs> this episode and every future episode is dedicated to the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. So in following up last week's film review of The Mindbender Censor, we are doing John's film pick, which is also a Mindbender. And uh, Censor was actually, you know, somewhat a homage to this film, David Cronenberg's masterpiece from 1983, Videodrome. And set in 1983, well, not set in 1983, but set in the 80s, just like uh, Censor. Correct. Right in that perfect timing of censorship. And this movie, Videodrome, also touches up on censorship and anti-censorship and all that deep shit. So we're going to get into that. We're going to break this movie down and uh, we're going to smoke some good shit while we do it. All that and more today on High on on Horror. Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. All right, yeah, John and I are so excited to talk about Videodrome. This is just a huge film for us. We both love it. Great movie. Yeah, and uh, it's important to know, you know, for you listeners out there, um, David Cronenberg was in his prime at this time. Uh, At the time that this film was made, this was the middle film made in his prime. Um, Before this, he did The Brood in 1979. Then two years later in 81, he did Scanners. And then two years later in 83, he did Videodrome. I mean, this was a long roll of good films. Videodrome was preceded by The Dead Zone, The Fly, Dead Ringers. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, The Brood, I'm a huge fan of Edge Christian and Gangrel as well. <laughs> well, uh, here's the thing. Though. By the time Videodrome happened, Cronenberg had kind of honed his weird body horror style into the perfect film. The uh, king of body horror. They came from within, and Rabid were his first two experiments in the body horror subgenre. And they're good, but something's missing. But enough is there to make you like the movie and make you want to see the next thing that he's going to do. And, you know, by the time Videodrome struck, uh, Cronenberg hit his stride and was cruising on that wave with audaciousness and ambitiousness. David said that he writes from his dreams. And I think that that shows, and he ex- that explains the trippiness in a lot of his films. And uh, Videodrome is the most Cronenbergian Cronenberg film. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and I mean, let's, uh, his dreams, I want to know how he vividly remembers them like this. And like, the fuck kind of dreams <laughs> is he having on a regular basis? Yeah, right? Well, here's a knowledge nug. Uh, Cronenberg actually said that Scanners uh, is the most frustrating directing job he's ever had. That's surprising. I would have thought it'd be Vide- Videodrome, but... Who knows? Anyway, what do you got for us over there? What do you uh, what do you got packed? What do you got for us today in weed? <laughs> today in weed, we got blackberry punch. Ooh, this is very purple. Do you have the uh, Do you have the statistics on that one? Like how much uh, THC and all that? Or it's seventeen percent THC, but I feel like it has a pretty smooth taste to it. Oh right, yeah. And besides, it's uh, what was it? Our buddy Kenny said, you know that uh. Like, just because it's purple doesn't mean it's not going to get you lit. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, sampled a little of this before we recorded yesterday. Obviously, I would have too. <laughs> <coughs> what you think? Oh, it's man, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's got a nice, uh, a nice earthy, fruity, uh, fruity taste. It's pretty yeah, it's, good. It's I'm really like, smooth Phew. too. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm still. Uh, taking it in right now i definitely dig it hell yeah anyway yeah, anyway exhale. sorry about I'm, that yeah i'm gonna exhale first and then we can get on to uh video drew uh, like drew said 1983 and it's uh set in toronto uh 
in the early 80s, and uh, it follows uh, our man Max Wren, played by James Woods. He's the president of uh, Civic TV at Toronto. It's uh, UHF. I don't know if uh, the kids today know, know UHF and VHF. I barely I barely had any experience with it. We had an old TV that you had to like tune it. Did you ever have one of those? Yep. Oh, yeah. Bunny ears, rabbit ears. Yep. And uh, he stumbles upon a broadcast coming out of Pittsburgh. I mean, nothing good usually ever comes out of Pittsburgh. But anyway, he uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just shit on that whole city. Well, uh, Civic TV uh, in the movie was actually based on the new show City TV in Toronto while we're on it. And uh, he finds a broadcast signal of uh, snuff films. He, well, he doesn't know they're snuff films at first. More like hardcore BDSM. Yeah. And he, uh, he needs to find out where that signal's coming from. And, uh, yeah, before we get even further into the movie, I'm just going to say this is one of those movies that if, if you haven't seen it, go watch it first before we talk about it. You need to experience it for, for the first time without, yes. w- without any spoilers from us. And we're not good at hiding spoilers. We'll t- <laughs> I don't think we've ever made that, uh, accusation on ourselves, but uh we're, we're terrible at hiding spoilers we'll just jump right into it i mean in all fairness if you're listening to a review of a movie that's 40 year, that's 40 years old i mean uh, i mean you kind of should expect spoilers in all fairness but you had uh you had brought up max wren and i do want to say like max wren he is such an intelligent and ballsy character right like he's not articulate he's i'm sorry he's not inarticulate like most leads are in american films at least at that time and you know, uh, speaking of Max Wren, I don't know anything about motorcycles, but apparently Cronenberg is a huge fan of motorcycles, hence the rabid. Um, uh, but he named Max Wren after Renmax, which is a motorcycle brand or a parts brand or something like that. That's why the I don't necessarily know anything about motorcycles either. But there was something about the name that just seemed familiar. But now that you know, that makes a lot of sense. It doesn't seem natural. You could tell it's like a special name. You know, like something about a clicks, but you can't put it together. And uh, James Woods, like, I feel like maybe now a lot of people aren't familiar with James Woods' work from, like, the 80s and 90s. Most of it's terrific. I feel like this is maybe the best role he's ever done. And it feels very... It all, It feels like I don't... It, it definitely feels like it was written for him almost. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and, the, and the thing about that is that James Woods was already an established, uh, it was already established as a serious actor by this point. You know, he'd been acting for about 12 years before he did Videodrome. And uh, Videodrome, uh, before Videodrome, he came off of Split Image from 1982, which was directed by Ted Kochiff, who also directed First Blood, the first Rambo film, which was also released in 82. Um, but James Woods actually signed on to do Videodrome with only 10 pages of Cronenberg's script complete. I mean, I could see Cronenberg selling you in 10 pages or less. Right. Well, did, here's what the uh, knowledge dog. Did you know that he has a fucking IQ of 180? James Woods. Albert Einstein had an IQ of approximately 160. And uh, another source. Where's this coming from? This, I mean, I like James Woods. I don't want to say <laughs> the guy's not smart, but I don't know if I believe that. Well, I, that's the thing, right? I actually looked it up and like I saw some Google results that it was like true. I, felt, I saw it on IMDb, but it says that... Uh, that another list has him listed at uh, approximately 160. And uh, I'm sorry, Albert Einstein had an IQ of 160. Another source lists Wood's IQ at 184 and says that he scored a perfect 800 on the verbal portion of the SAT at a 779 in math. 
Jeez. <laughs> right? I think that this might be the only movie where Cronenberg had somebody on set that was smarter than him. But, like, James Woods could have did so much better stuff with his life with that IQ. <laughs> I mean, not, not, I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but, like, he could have been solving world problems. Yeah, we need you instead, elsewhere, instead man. Instead, Max Ren watching snuff films that are possibly coming from Malaysia. <laughs> but in the end, Pittsburgh, basically the same thing. That's right. Well, um, actually, here's here's something else I, uh, that I learned. Um, the orange walls that you see in Videodrome, you know how all the the, the clips that you see are like in that orange wall where it's yeah. like the, the, it's like people being chained up with that orange like clay type of wall. Well, it says that uh, the orange walls that you see in Videodrome uh, in the torture clips were based on the fact that prisoners in real life find orange walls unbearable. So, like the orange walls in Videodrome was meant to kind of put you off kilter and feel a little more uncomfortable, you know, for the viewer by having orange walls. That's interesting because orange is my favorite color. And at one point, I thought about like painting my walls orange. Maybe it gets like because it just like it's, it's never like not bright. Like it's always maybe like bright. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe I would have been depressed if I painted them orange. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, uh, getting back to the story here, Max Rand, like we said, is a uh, president of Civic TV, and uh, he has Harlan. He's also an operator, and they get a uh, they get unauthorized. He has unauthorized satellite dish, and uh, he's kind of a scumbag, Max Ren. But he's yeah. always uh, I guess uh, I guess he kind of almost would have fit in with the video nasties because he would have definitely showed those. Yeah, and you know, I mean, he f- he was finding the most extreme clips he could. It, it, well, that's just it. You know, Max Ren is the opposite of video drum. He isn't for censorship. He seeks out the weird and fucked up stuff. That's his niche, you know. And, and uh, video drum, uh, who we'll get into, you know, who's behind that in a bit. Uh, they are basically more about censoring and punishing people who watch that stuff. So yeah, he's he's very much the opposite. Very much a he's very egotistical. Absolutely, very an egotistical dude. But uh, he's like he's a, he's a cocky. He's a brash, but you you love him. And uh, Harlan. He shows Max Videodrome, and uh, it said it was being shown from Malaysia. And uh, he was wondering, uh, I like how when he's watching the people get murdered, he goes, what's the production value on this? (laughs) (laughs) So they watched anonymous victims being violently tortured and eventually murdered. And uh, Max believes it's the future of television. And uh, he gets Harlan to uh, begin the unsolicited use of the show. And then uh, we see Max, he's on a uh, like TV interview show. I guess it would be like Donahue or, or yeah, some of that shit yeah. back in the day. And uh, we have Dr. Brian Oblivion. Dude, that that is a badass name. Granted, Brian Oblivion, I know, man. I mean, I took it for the beginning of the episode. But yeah, Oblivion's a pretty badass sounded nickname. But uh, he talks about on, uh, on the show about how... Uh, we're entering a new era and everybody's going to have special names that light up in neon and just basically talking about how bad television's going to be and basically ruin society. And, uh, Max, he's against, uh, censorship. And then we also get another character introduced, uh, Debbie Harry, who does a really good job. I don't know why, why she didn't do, uh, 
more acting. I know, right? Well, well, Debbie Harry, she was acting for about uh, less than 10 years at this point, but uh, she was also being taken seriously. And I think she did great in this role as Nikki Brand. And uh, the character is very pr- pr- provocative. And uh, speaking of provocative, John Waters, you know who John Waters is, right? Oh, yeah. The, the controversial filmmaker who's most uh, famous for uh, Pink Flamingos. He actually said that Videodrome was, quote, very provocative for its time, end quote. So if John Waters says that it's provocative, it's goddamn provocative. You mean 1983? Yeah, like... Nikki Brand is uh sounds ridiculous as a character. Yeah, to it, word it that way, but it's hard. There, there, there's no box. There's characters you can put in a box of this archetype. There's no box you can put Nikki Brand in. I agree. I it's weird because I guess like you know that uh you know uh, Debbie Harry you know she is attractive you know but she does have a weird uh, facial geography and apparently Cronenberg uh, had uh, trouble properly lighting her face and ended up using soft lights to get the desired effect he wanted when she was on screen and here's a knowledge nug uh, she dyed her hair red for the role obviously because she's blondie yeah uh, and uh, she's definitely into the S&M oh yeah real quick though before we go back with her I did want to say that uh Peter Dvorsky, who played Harlan, he was also in the Dead Zone as Dardis, which was released the same year as Videodrome in 83, and uh, that was also directed by Cronenberg. Yeah, he had a he had a good year that year. Yeah, he did. Two, two awesome Cronenberg films. Well, uh, after the interview on TV, Nikki and Max uh, start having a sexual relationship, and uh, she, after they find out that the broadcast is coming out of Pittsburgh, she decides she wants to go audition for the show. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, that seems totally normal after you watch Videodrome. So, uh, but, uh, <laughs> seems totally normal. Totally normal. And, uh, Max keeps begging her not to go on there, but, uh, she doesn't listen to him. She leaves, and, uh, we don't really ever see her again. Well, we see her again, but it's Videodrome, so it gets weird. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's 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 gonna get weird as it, it gets weirder the more that the uh the more that the film just gradually plays out so where do you want to go with this next <laughs> i was gonna say next we have masha okay come in and uh she sells some real softcore porn she, i don't i can't there's somebody she reminds me of but i just can't place it but, I <laughs> what, i'm trying to remember i can't remember the name of the movie that, that she was like uh trying to get max to buy the show on canadian on his canadian oh was uh, it the uh was it was it wasn't the samurai dreams i don't remember i thought that, it was that like, shit cracks it was like me romans up. or something yeah i can't remember the specifics of that scene i do know what you're talking about though their dialogue uh eludes me right now but the, by the way that whole opening scene with samurai dreams with the like the uh the little dildo that shit cracks me <laughs> up man like i don't know how anybody could watch that and be aroused by that type of shit it's freaking hilarious max uh ask her to help him find out the truth about videodrome and uh she says that it's not only is the footage not faked but it's the public face of a political movement <laughs> and uh max tracks down oblivion to a homeless sh- uh homeless shelter and uh they have just a bunch of like wonders like homeless people that's what i did the the cathode ray mission it's like a church like a church to help people like by giving them their fix of tv like a homeless shelter yeah they're just like sitting like just absorbing tv hospital rooms like almost yeah 
little like sectioned off, little like, sectioned off, and we're just sitting there mindlessly staring at the TV. It's like a crack house almost, with people getting <laughs> it's their a fix, crack but house, it's but for TV, but for TV, people absorbing TV, and their fix of where they basically can't get unedited sh- or where they can get shit that's unedited. And then uh, he finds out that Oblivion's daughter Bianca runs the mission, and uh, helping her to realize her father's vision, a world in which television replaces every aspect of everyday life. I mean, I guess you could almost argue that maybe not television, but like cell phones yeah. and stuff like that. Like it's kind of happened. Like, it, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you have like, uh, you have like these YouTubers and like game streamers. That's the only thing they're in front of like all day. Yeah. That's, that's completely, yeah. That, this movie, well, that, a lot of Cronenberg films like Carpenter's films are ahead of their time. Like time actually grows into the movies. They don't get dated. And uh, we also find out that Brian Oblivion is not actually alive, but he's just recorded, like, was it hundreds? For every scenario. Hundreds of tapes for every scenario. I want to know. And his daughter. uh, I want to know how long it took. Oh, God, into scenarios. His daughter, uh, Bianca, yeah, like, she she keeps him alive by passing out the tapes that basically are in coordinates with what she needs people to see of him to think he's alive and like like you just said i can't even imagine like the 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 amount of scenarios and tapes i mean you see like the library it's it's ridiculous but um here's an here's a little knowledge nug brian oblivion is played by jack crelly who actually had worked with kubrick nearly a decade prior in 64 in dr strangelove or how i learned to stop worrying and love the bomb and he played mr stains so he worked with cronenberg and kubrick that's fucking awesome I feel like that's a uh, forgotten Kubrick movie. It is. I, I it, it's. I haven't seen it in so long. It's that's so good though. It's all. It's, all, it's all my voodoo. There's a lot of. That's why you're a big war fan though. You like war movies. Yeah, and I I also really like uh, Kubrick. Damn right. I mean. <laughs> I mean, well, just to get off topic quickly, I will say. Uh, I don't know why I can't think of the movie Full 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 Metal Jacket. That movie's amazing. Full Metal Jacket's the amazing. second half though is like. Uh, <laughs> I've always felt that way. Like the first half is so good, and then Arlie Ermy dies, and yeah, after after Ermy, if you haven't seen that, <laughs> after Ermy dies, it does definitely slow down. Like when they're getting it's out of it's not bad when they're getting out of the uh, army and everything. It's like Godfather and, Three, it's not bad, but it's not the other two. The real story was in that first part yeah. with Lee Ermy. I agree, and Private Pile. Anyway, anyway, back to video drum. Uh, one of the tapes Max views from Oblivion informs him that Videodrome is a socio-political battleground in which a war is being fought to control the minds of the people of North America. And then he gets garroted by Nikki. Like, this movie gets weird really quick. <laughs> like, yeah, it does. It definitely does. Um, but, I mean, it wouldn't be Cronenberg if it wasn't weird, right? Right, that's just it. You know, well, that's... uh. That's kind of what the whole point of Videodrome, like what you just said, is that, you know, they uh, they they want Videodrome to make you violent and to harm you and to kill you because they believe that people who watch this type of stuff deserve to die because they're bad people. The whole thing is, you know, the signal that the channel puts out causes a brain tumor that causes hallucinations and mayhem. So, like, think of, uh, think of uh, Barry and Harlan uh, as, as Bane and Ra's al Ghul of the Dark Knight trilogy <laughs> series. But, like, it, it's just kind of funny because it's like, you are terrible people because you watch this material, but, like, we made it. 
Yeah, so like it's that's very kind of weird. And also, uh, Barry Convicts, he was uh, based on real life American televangelist Jim Baker. I definitely can see that. It's, yep, it definitely had like a televangelist feel. It's kind of like uh, when you have like these FBI people where like they're catching pedophiles by entrapping them and sending them stuff. Yeah, because I saw a thing. It said like they they control most of the like child pornography is owned by the fbi like that shit it's kind of like this shit it's kind of weird like we got these bad people but we have the material that we gave you the proof that you're bad right exactly well here's something else though, real quick about uh barry convicts who was played by leslie carlson uh leslie uh was an established actor at this point as well he had been in deranged and black christmas and would go on to do a christmas story and the fly after videodrome he actually passed away in 2014 and uh his last acting credit on imdb was from 2013 on a tv show called murdoch mysteries so he actually acted to the very end of his life his last role Damn. was a year before he died that's oh, yeah. inspiring and awesome is it not yeah, I mean, there's some actors that, that that just retire, and then there's some like like that, like like people like Betty White and shit. It just like keep going until they die. You die doing what you love. You gotta appreciate that. And uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Max, after uh, watching Nikki Garrett, uh, Oblivion, he hallucinates. This is like I feel like one of the classic scenes from the movie. Yeah. He hallucinates that Nikki speaks to him and it causes the TV to start getting throbby. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up kissing the screen. Like, dude, that I've, it's still like, it's a special effect that does, it doesn't feel dated. Like, no, it doesn't. I mean, man. it looks dated because you see the TV and everything like that, but like the effect itself doesn't come off as cheesy. I mean, the whole effects in general, like Rick Baker's effects, man, he's a perfectionist, you know, and these are some of his best and edgy effects. Uh, he did this film two years after winning the Oscar for An American Werewolf in London. So he was on his game. And this was one of those movies where, you know, that happened with everyone was just in their prime and were at a very experimental and creative stage in their careers and it fucking paid off. Yeah, he definitely does good work. Uh, and then uh, disturbed, Max returns to Oblivion's homeless shelter, and Bianca tells him that Videodrome carries a broadcast signal that causes the viewer to develop a malignant brain tumor. Mm -hmm. Oblivion helped to create it as part of his vision for the future, and he viewed the hallucinations as a higher form of reality. So I guess is that like VR for him? I guess. Yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> yeah, you could kind of compare compare it to VR. Uh, when he found out that it was used for a malevolent purposes, he attempted to stop his partners. Because, you know, it was okay to give them brain tumors, but, you know, he <laughs> didn't like the reason that they were going to use it to give people brain tumors. <laughs> so right, he right. had to stop it. Right. Uh, they used his own invention to kill him. In the year before his death, Oblivion recorded... Uh, I was wrong. I said hundreds. Apparently it was tens of thousands of videos, which now are the basis for his television appearance. Which, uh... We end up getting to the line later. I jump it a little ahead, but uh, long live the new flesh. In a kind of a way, that's continuing his life and living forever. Yeah, I mean, that's. Uh... He's got tens of thousands of videos. <laughs> Yo, yeah. uh, I mentioned this to Nicole. Uh, I'll mention this real quick. With his VHS, do you think, like, uh, you know, maybe they, they would have converted him? Actually, I mentioned this, I think, about the ring. Same thing. Would they have converted them to Blu-ray in the future? You know, would it have been saved to a hard drive? Maybe it just been streaming online. <laughs> you, could, you know, you could just stream his interviews. That'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, speaking of VR, though, um, in the scene where uh, where Convex puts the uh, VR helmet on um, 
on our main character. Why the hell am I freaking uh, Max Ryan? There we yeah. go. When he uh, when weed. <laughs> yeah, when uh, when Barry Convicts puts the VR helmet on uh, Max Ryan, that's actually David Cronenberg. Um, he wore the helmet in that scene because James Woods refused to wear it. So that's actually Cronenberg. You see, I guess I don't know if it's a yeah, if it's a claustrophobic thing or what. But James Woods did not want the helmet. He was going to get electrocuted. Oh really? Oh well, I mean. I mean, I, I could see I that. I could as see a that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that helmet was fucking huge. But can we take a second, real quick, though, to talk about the score by Howard Shore, no. who does all of Cronenberg's films? I mean, to even this day. And uh, the music in this movie sets the tone, man. It's brilliant. It's my second favorite score after Dead Ringers. I mean, that, like, that synthesizer and that just off putting, like, the music. Oh, man, I love it. I don't even know how to describe it. Well, I mean, dude, uh, everything. Video drove for me with Cronenberg. I'll be like, yeah, it was the best. Yeah, it was the best. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know. It's the one I watch this movie too much. It's the one that clicked with you the most. Yeah, yeah like because I, I feel like it's like I've said, like Halloween. Like, sure, Halloween looks dated in the sense you could tell it's the seventies, but it's a timeless story that can be told anytime. Agreed. It's and, still relevant, like, even though this was about VHS and you know television and censorship it's still still relevant with like us on youtube and different services still censorship there's censorship fights yeah and uh the one like i always said is uh because he says everybody have a special new name and i'm like that's people with usernames like most like youtube nobody's really most people aren't necessarily using their real name yeah they're right a lot of people started those just had like a username like Everybody they're known by a different with, by a different name, not their government government name. The so government speak, name, so to speak. But like, yeah, I mean, it's still relevant today. Absolutely, and here's a, here's a knowledge nug. So, uh, beta cassettes were smaller and could fit into weird places. You know, back then when they were out, yeah. um, they and lost that, That's what led to the idea of putting you know a tape inside a human body to absorb. Yeah, and that was those well, that we'll scene, those scenes that. are great. But yeah, I just had to throw that in there. Um, yeah, and then uh, Barry Convex, uh, he's uh, has spectacular optical corporation. Yeah, the eye, yeah, the, yep, eyeglass yep. company. It acts as a front for an arms company. Like this movie, just get, it just keeps getting darker and darker. <laughs> yeah, and he uses a device and he records one of Max's fantasies, and it was him whipping Nikki. Like, I think those two were made for each other. Yeah, they they had a kink. They had, they definitely share, share, shared the same kink. For sure. Max then wakes up to find Masha's corpse in his bed. Like this, like I said, how this movie gets weird quick. The thing is, it doesn't stop. No, like it, it doesn't like all of a sudden get weird and then it plateaus on just like it's this where like shit just keeps ramping up through the through the like through the end of the movie. Well, that's what I was gonna say was that I uh, there's two things with that one. I just watched this the other day and uh, I thought like 30 minutes in it literally said 30 minutes and like 40 seconds on the clock and I'm like this movie's good man. I was like it's so good. I was like but we didn't really like get to like the juiciness yet. This is all like set up him trying to find out the signal for Videodrome and going on the day with Nikki. But once that 30 minute markets then the whole last hour is like you said it's just one thing it doesn't stop it it just becomes trippier and trippier and trippier and it's one of those ones where even though i know what's going on you literally sometimes i do anyway i have to keep a keep like a conscious effort make a conscious effort to keep like my mind straight as to what's going on because even now watching it i could see how people would be like what the fuck just happened 
Even though I get it, I could still see the other side where I could see why people would be totally fucking thrown for a loop by that. And the thing is, as we continue going through the plot here, you'll see, but like, there's like, there's a twist and then you're like, oh, that's a twist. And then there's just twist after twist, but it doesn't feel cheesy. And then a and twist or, after or like twist and ambiguous stupid. ending. And, and throw this, I top it with an ambiguous ending. But, uh, yeah, so where were, oh yeah, last thing we're <laughs> out here about being an arms company and they, uh, record at Max's fantasy of whipping Nikki. And, uh, he wakes up and finds Masha's corpse in his bed. He calls Harlan to come photograph the body, but after he arrives at the body's gone. Like there, there you go. That was another one. You're like, just like, what the fuck? Yep. And, uh, wanting to see the latest video drone broadcast, Max meets Harlan in the studio. And then there we get another twist. Harlan mm. reveals that he's been working with convex with the goal of recruiting Max to their cause to end North America's cultural decay. Dun, dun, dun. They're the villains. They were behind it all. <laughs> Given brain tumors, to anyone obsessed with sex and violence and by having him broadcast video drone. And then we get our Betamax tape. Convex inserts the brainwashing Betamax tape into his torso. Dude, like that, I mean, are we going to call it what it is? He had like a belly pussy. <laughs> so I was going <laughs> to call it a tummy pussy, but a belly pussy works. Yeah. With, 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 with teeth. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've certainly never seen a pussy big enough to put a VHS tape in, but that thing ate but it a up. Or a beta tape, though, I'm sorry. Fit. Yeah, a beta max. I'm sorry. I'm surprised they lost the war. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they marketed it that way. Again, the effects by Rick Baker, it's obvious what it is. Cronenberg always has some sort of sexual innuendo or some sort of sexual imagery in his films. And he it's, loves body horror. It's like H.R. Geiger, like just like with the alien dickhead. Like there's always some sort of dick or vagina in his movies somewhere or everywhere. Um, so obviously it does look like that, but it's just such a great effect. And uh, the only time it ever really looks cheesy is when his. Uh, when Max's arm gets caught and like they kind of linger on the shot too long, where he, like he's like his arm yeah, is stuck in his belly, fair. and you can see the fake arm. That's the only complaint, and I don't think the effect is bad. I just think the shot goes on too long and reveals itself by being such a drawn out scene. And then uh, under Convex's influence, Max murders his colleagues at Civic TV. Uh, then he attempts to murder Bianca. He goes back to uh, to that shelter. And uh, she the manages race, to stop yeah. him by showing him a videotape of Nikki's murder on the Videodrome set. So then she reprograms him after he just got programmed uh, to her father's cause. Death the Videodrome, long live the new flesh. And then he goes back and then he kills Harlan and Convex. Like, like I said, dude, there's just like twist after twist. He gets programmed, he goes to Bianca, she shows him another videotape. And yeah, the twist is him. the twist is Harlan Harlan was against him the whole time. Had never even watched Videodrome. Was subjecting him to it the whole time by making him watch it. He's with Barry Convex, so you know there's yeah, that it's twist. Fu it's funny because you don't think about that because I, I yeah kind of glossed over that there, but like because Max brings it up to him about Harlan dying, and he was like, "No, I never watched it." Yeah, and it's like uh, there's you know it's it's like I said there's there's that twist with with Barry and Harlan, and then. There's the twist with uh, Bianca, and then you know, yeah, like like yeah, just just twist after twist. It's 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 weird how it manages to be trippy, but still take you deeper into the story. And then uh, we're getting to the end here. He's wanted for murder, ah, well, for a lot of murder at this point. <laughs> yeah, he killed. Uh, well, what, he, he, he popped he, a couple he, caps. He killed, he killed his colleagues at Civic TV. He killed Harlan. Well, he was a colleague. He killed Convex. 
So uh, he takes refuge on a derelict boat in uh, Portlands, in the Portlands, and uh, appearing to him on television, Nikki tells him he's weak in Videodrome, but to be able to completely defeat it, he must descend to the next level and leave the old flesh. And then the television shows shows him what he has to do, and uh, he got to Kurt Cobain himself. <laughs> he's got to shoot himself in the head. And... Uh, which causes the TV to explode. Another good effect. I was going to say something, man, but never mind. <laughs> oh, damn. You're saying I went too far. Okay. No, no, you didn't get it. Never mind. That was my Nirvana oh, <laughs> Damn, right over my head. Well done. <laughs> so he reenacts what he's just seen on television. And then we end with Max uttering the words, long live the new flesh. And then he just ends it he said and then the belly guts just explode out of the tv and the uh, belly guts. that's just it though like yeah videodrome aka barry and harlan um they brainwash max into being their hitman as you had said and taking out those who oppose videodrome uh once bianca oblivion talks some sense into max he comes around and fights the system and takes on videodrome from within and says you know fuck you you're not going to control what people watch and you're definitely not going to kill people for who kill people who watch the fucked up stuff uh you know and uh because that's their right you know and literally he kills censorship by killing brian oblivion and uh he doesn't completely stop them like you said and uh he only wounds the system but he evolves into the next form of combatant against videodrome and that's what the new flesh is and the new flesh always confuses people right like it, it's kind of hard to explain like nicole nicole the first time she watched it she was confused did not like it like i had and then the reason she didn't like it is she misunderstood something. You have to watch it a couple times. Yeah, agreed. That's what I was going to say. Don't If you have watched this movie and don't get it, don't let that deter you. Go back and watch it again. Everybody needs to watch this movie more than once. It's Nobody like watched, Darko. Walk, you need to watch it a couple times. Nobody walks away one time having a fucking thesis on it. Like You have to dissect this movie, uh, and it's worth the rewatches, as yeah. many rewatches as it takes. Yeah, like I was saying, Nicole watched it, and she said she didn't like it, and I asked her why. And she goes, because of this... And I was like, no, that's not what happened. I was like, it was the whole re reprogramming thing is like where it got messed up and she misunderstood it. And I'm like, no, this is what happened. And then she's like, oh, okay, well then that makes sense. I like the movie yeah. then. Yeah, exactly. But that's it. people get confused by it. And the, the new flesh, what that means is that he is giving up his physical life to become the next better thing to fight Videodrome. Uh, what is the new flesh, AKA the next step of evolution? No one knows. That's the ambiguous part of it. That's the kicker. It could be a computer virus or a bug of some sort, something to really take the fight to Videodrome and stop them from being able to transmit their signal. Uh, the whole movie isn't just about the social commentary of anti-censorship. It's about technology succeeding evolution. And at the end of the day, temptation costs Max Ren his life, soul, and his sanity, as Cronenberg put it. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because, like, this was also a thing that was going on in Canada at the time. Right. So you have England who's trying to censor fucking everything over there and people are arguing against the stuff that's going on in Canada because they're saying they're showing too much on TV and it's going to cause, you know, moral decay. Everybody's got to watch. Somebody has to think of the children. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, but, but you know, you're thinking of them when you're letting them watch Videodrome. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> When you let, if you're letting your kid watch a movie with belly pussies, I mean, don't blame the movie. <laughs> the quote Jamie Lee Curtis, you a piece of shit. Yeah, like that's like well, somebody watch uh, Brian use the society where you have like the ass monster thing, like where it's just like ass and gooch and legs, like you know, like <laughs> ass gooch and legs, Jesus. 
That's going to be the next of our, the name of our next top 10 countdown. Ask <laughs> Gooch and Legs, episode 28. That's, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> well, the listeners oh. might not. Don't turn us off. I'm joking. Um, I was going to say, so do you think Brian Oblivion is a good guy? Yeah, that's Brian Oblivion was for fighting video drum. He knew what they were trying to do. But that's, he that's still why he has was a those... part of making something that he knew it had a tumor in it, right? I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean... But at the end of the day, he was trying to like make people aware. Like he was, he was the Roddy Piper of uh, "They Live." He was the one trying to say like, like, like they like try to open people's eyes, and you know, Max Wren um, opened his eyes. But yeah, I, I, I never really thought about the tumor thing. You're right. I mean, I guess it's a damned if you do and damned if you don't. But I took him as the good guy, hence why Barry and Harlan had him taken out. But at the beginning, like. You think he's the bad guy. You think he is, and then you realize which side he's on. Another twist in the movie, another complex layer of the story. Yeah. I, I I probably should have counted, but like, there's got to be at least like ten twists in the movie, right? Or like somewhere it, around. It takes there. you for a loop, and that's the thing because you're blurring reality. But none of it feels like oh they did that. But, oh, but like censor though they they the line blurs between reality and uh and hallucination and so like there's that line of you don't really know sometimes and uh there there's this theory that i mean it's kind of common but they say some people say that one max wren put the vr helmet on like he never took it off and like the rest of the movie is just him tripping out where we'll doing a virtual reality thing that's that honestly if you think of it like that it makes more sense because from that point in the movie on is when shit gets really crazy. That's when he has like the, the handgun and all that shit. So you could put it together that like, yo, he's just tripping in this VR the whole time. Cause none of that illogical shit happened before he put the helmet on. Everything was very grounded, but that takes the fun out of it to think it's all fake. Yeah. I mean, but it does make sense because of how weird shit gets. It's totally like a pre total recall, like a more darker total recall in a sense. You know, like a, that's a good way to, you know, yeah, I, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that little little, little tie. I'd take Videodrome over Total Recall. Yeah, I would too. But uh, speaking of Censor, though, I mean, how many movies, like Evil Dead Trap and Censor and uh, Jennifer Reader's segment on VHS, like how many movies did Videodrome, um, like, influence and inspire? It was such an innovative movie, you know what I mean? Like, it's uh, this, I don't want anybody, I'm tired of hearing everybody talk about Jordan Peele. I want anybody to fucking, I dare anybody to tell me that Videodrome is an elevated horror. Jordan Peele might have owned that genre now because he's good at it, but it was he's not the founder of it. And everybody thinks yeah. of, you know, uh, elevated horror as Jordan Peele. No, 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 no. You need to go back to Cronenberg. Cronenberg is your first elevated horror. Yeah, you got a good point on that. Uh, dude, like, the first time I saw, like, this movie just blew my fucking mind. And I was like, damn, I need to see this again. Like, like yeah, I, the same dude it's just like but it's not often that you get a movie that doesn't make sense per se that you have to read into that's rewatchable those are the ones you have to kind of sit down and be in the mood for usually it's like return of the living dead that you'll throw on in the background but with video drum it's rewatchable because of the visuals and it's just fucking cool it's it's just cool it's the best way to put it and it's funny because like i can i made a comparison with donnie darko and i would make that one again that's like another movie donnie darko to, review coming up i mean we could but uh that's another one you have to be in the mood to want to watch. Yeah, it's like it's like fine sex. You got to be in the mood for it. But when you're in the mood for it, it always hits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, what would you rate 
video drum. All right, oh, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to know if you're going to be technical and give it a point something because I'll go first. Uh, last week, I said that I gave the movie on uh, the, that I gave Sensor the highest rating I'd ever given a movie on this show. And this week, I'm breaking that. It's video drum for me. Um, there's nothing I change about it, and it has aged like a fine wine. It's still relevant. Ten out of ten. I mean, I never go 10 out of 10, but I was going to say like a 9.8. Like, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> like, dude, I, there's Let nothing. Let me just shave a point two off that. <laughs> People are going to watch it be like, it ain't that good. Is Halloween a 10? Because, I mean, if you can't you can't. I can only give, give it a 9.9. <laughs> Close enough. You can, it's like a store. It's not a dollar if it's 99 cents, I mean, right? I don't know. I ain't like Dave Meltzer rating matches out here and give myself a five star limit and then rate something like a ten star match like <laughs> nothing can be perfect your, your wrestling uh homage or not homages but your wrestling references are on point today dude <laughs> but like i mean I, I can't give something a 10 right and it's perfect no, nothing's perfect but i mean what well, but video germs right there I, I get you. I mean, I'm not going to persuade you. Like, here's the thing. Uh, and I, when I used to blog on my blog, Grim Reviews, that I don't blog on anymore because, you know, I'm doing the show. And I had fallen off that blog like five years. But um, here's uh, – I had fallen off five years before. I had, like, I had not written anything for five years. But my thing that I would always say in my reviews was even if I say that I don't like a movie – I don't want that to deter anyone from not watching it. That's why it's almost hard to give ratings. It's almost hard to give it. Like I almost stopped. I, I stopped rating movies at a certain point because people were like saying, "Oh, I'm not going to watch this movie. Thanks for like saving my time and not making me waste my time." And that's not really what I want. I want to express my opinion to talk with like-minded people or to have people challenge my opinion. And sometimes people just read a review and they're like, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to watch it now because you said it sucked." And it's like that's not the point. The point is that like, you need to watch it too because what I don't like, you like, or you could like we might both think it sucks you might think it's great not everybody agrees so i understand like the whole like where you're coming from with the rating thing and nothing's perfect but what i always say to my wife is i'm like if you look at the score is the score like perfect like what would you change about the score if you think it's pretty high then that's good if you think the acting's good that's even stronger do you think the score do you think the story is strong do you think the directing's strong the visuals the makeup everything if all of those things check off i mean it's a 10 that's my opinion I still can't give anything a 10. <laughs> it's all good. But I can give it a 9.99999. See, it's on the verge. It's, it's it's a cut hair away. It's half a cut hair away. Dude, yeah, video drums good. If you don't like it, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I, I know, like, you know, it, it's hard to not think of, like, we had talked about the sexual innuendos and like the the Chinese and the cocks that are all over uh, <laughs> the Cronenberg's films. It's like, uh, the James Woods hand when it turns into the gun it looks like a dick and I just can't help but like think like I wouldn't own it but I've got to think it's got to be really cool if so (laughs) I gotta I gotta think that it'd be really cool if there was like a dodo company out there that like made Max (laughs) Randa's gun hand as a dodo that would be badass I wouldn't buy it I wouldn't buy but I would go in the store and look at it I'd take a picture of it and look at it (laughs) or you could just like look it up online I mean I'm sure somebody out there could make one. <laughs> That'd be the long live the new flesh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, took that to a whole other level. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm good here. <laughs> yeah.
thanks all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in and uh, next week we're going to have a 2020 horror sci-fi film Possessor by Brandon Cronenberg Hell yeah I haven't seen it yet so Drew's going to get me to watch it I guess we'll see if Brandon is good as his daddy It's good, it's fucking good It's true, it's damn true <laughs> And uh, make sure to follow us on social media On Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok At High on Horror 420 uh, You can always go to our website Highonhorror.com And you can email us at Highonhorror420 at gmail.com and uh yeah we'll talk to you next week and uh we'll have a possessor film review for you and uh i guess that's everything i'm about wrap her up catch you later bye everybody long live the new flesh <laughs>